0: Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Oh, thank you, Bobby. That's a theme for everybody, nationwide, all diseases. Right.
1: And Chuck is just a generic term for everybody.
0: Yeah, just everybody stop dying before your time. How about that? You know, you're not supposed to die in your 20s. Okay, people? Listen, Gen Zers and millennials, listen to me. You're not supposed to die in your 20s and 30s. Those are supposed to be for your 60s, 70s, and 80s, which is where me and Mike are.
2: (laughs) Life is worth living. You just have to get to this point in your life where you realize that. Yeah. Well, the point is, and this happened to me and I talk about it all the time.
0: Until I was like, well, for sure, like, it doesn't even dawn on you you're going to die in your teens or 20s. Even, like, I'm trying to think of anybody I even knew besides my family members died. No friends of mine. I had one friend that died from autoerotic asphyxiation when I was, like, 13. Oh, what a way to go. But, yeah, talk about <laughs> cutting edge. You're talking about 1974 or 75. Mm, ahead of his time. So, he invented it. But after that... None of my friends died of drugs. Nobody died of of car accidents or homicides. And me and Mike, Chuck, we ran with the craziest crowd. People like Animal Boner and Earthquake and Anthony Kiedis. (laughs) The craziest crowd on earth. I mean, on the face of the planet, me and Mike were rolling right side by side with the craziest people. And hardly any of us died. It never dawned on me, you know, that I was going to die. And then I started going to rehab when I was 27 and they started telling me I'm going to die. And I'm like, you're going to die, too. I remember the first time I was told, if you don't get, if you don't accept that you're powerless over heroin, drugs and alcohol and that your life's unmanageable, you're going to die of it. And I was like, so are you going to die of something else? What do you, why are you <laughs> coming? At, why are you coming at me like that? So hard. No,
1: no that's funny because Mike and I were just talking and I just had a client uh, scold me because I said something like uh, along the lines of the Russian roulette of doing fentanyl and he 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 got so angry and he said i've been shooting fentanyl for six years only idiots overdose on fentanyl you got to know how to do it man and if you know what you're doing so
0: tom tom petty's an idiot prince is an idiot apparently yeah apparently Apparently. lifelong lifelong addicts are idiots okay apparently and and your client that's in a yeah, okay. Okay. I got you, buddy. Gotcha. <laughs> I go I all I said
1: all I I go, you know, I'm I, I did not mean to uh offend you, but it's just my observations that the that the drug is unpredictable in its strength and in, in its ability to um sneak people off this planet well before their time. Because well that's before just their what, time. what I'm that's, seeing. That's,
0: that's the uh, whole thing. Like I, I hate to say it, but friends of mine that have died in their you know 50s and 60s though it's sad you know there's one skateboarder guy i knew died in his 50s and uh, obviously we've talked about how it's sad but it's but i'm like one of these i don't know logical people it's way sadder when an 18 year old
2: kid dies it's just way sadder it's not equal sadness well, you know, as callous as it may th- seem, you're exactly right, Bob. Because, like someone like Hal knew exactly what he was doing, had been using drugs for years. With uh, Rob Graves, he'd been using drugs for years, knew exactly what he was doing, knew exactly what he was getting into, and still decided. You know? Yeah. No, I just think I think it's it's sad and it's tragic, but it's not as saddest as, and tragic as
0: an 18 year old kid dying. It just isn't. So that's why I started this whole thing. But the thing about death that's so interesting to me is all that time, you know, my 20s, like, I never, you can, uh, you know, Mike Martin never thought he was going to die. I never thought I was going to die. Anthony never thought we were going to die. And we didn't. And then you go to rehab and they tell you you're going to die. And immediately I was like, well, I'm 27 and you're 55 and you're out of shape and you smoke cigarettes. You're going to die probably before me. I swear to God, I said that to them at Hazelden in 1988. You must have been a wonderful client. Oh, they hated me. <laughs> you know, I was banned from some rehabs. I was banned from Exodus Rehab. They wouldn't have me back anymore because I was so obnoxious. But I was just using common sense. Like, and and the, the, the staff members who, who knew how to talk to addicts, I believe, because I don't think I was any different than any other addict. You come at an addict like that, they're going to be like, fuck you. And But there was magical st- staff. Uh, ironically, one of my friend's mothers was a counselor at Hazelden when I was there in 89. And she was great. She was like, yeah, you'll figure it out, Bob, whatever. And so, you know, you'll probably come back here three or four more times. It'll be all right. You'll figure it out. That <laughs> we'll
1: positivity,
0: be here. There's a positivity in that. She didn't say you're going to die before you get it and, uh, you know, all this uh, scare tactics because and the recovery industry did that all through the 80s and 90s. They told me and all my friends, we're all going to die. None of us did. And now kids are dropping like flies. Leading cause of death for millennials is drug overdose. And now we sound like the industry who cried wolf. They're like, yeah, you tell everybody that. You've been telling everybody that for 30. You told my mom that, and she's still alive.
2: You know what right.
0: I mean? So we look like the boy cried wolf. But in my case, I didn't care whether I, I – I didn't really think about dying, and then once my life got so shitty, I didn't care whether I lived or died. I really didn't. In my heart of hearts, I didn't care. From probably 1993 right. to 1996, I didn't care. Sadly, selfishly – I'll admit that – sadly and selfishly, With a five-year-old child, I didn't care whether I lived or died. So I relate Mm -hmm. to all addicts who feel that way. I understand. I don't judge you. I don't think you're a bad person or a bad parent or whatever. You're just consumed by addiction, and you don't care whether you live or die. Then I get sober. What's the first thing you got to do when you get sober back in 1996, Chuck? You got to get the old HIV test, don't you? That's a big one. Yeah, you know, and I was very scared because I'd shared needles and had some wild, unprotected sex and whatever. And I was very nervous. And our great friend, Mr. Friend to the show, guest on this show, Keith Morris, walked me through that. And he said, I'll get one, too with you. So, you, you know, we'll go do it together. And I'm sure he was <laughs> expecting that I was be positive, right? And I was mm-hmm. negative. And so that was the first two. Then the hepatitis C and the medical component to your health, right? And then all of a sudden, I get like a year and a half, two years sober, and I start really fearing death. Like, I don't want to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
1: Right.
0: Right. I enjoy getting up in the morning and having coffee and smoking a cigarette and watching CNN and talking with my friends and going to an AA meeting and going to work. And I enjoy my life. That's where these kids need to get to. And it's so hard for them because they don't know how to work. They don't know how to get up in the morning. They don't know how to hustle. They don't know how to, you know, you know, go to the gas station. I remember, like if I had good tip money at Millie's, I was buying Marlboro's at the the little uh market right near Millie's because they were like five bucks. I was like, I got five bucks, I'll buy some Marlboro's. <laughs> but when I didn't have tip money, when it was a shitty weekday shifts I got, I would go to the Arco station on the corner of Silver Lake Boulevard and the and the one oh one freeway. They had a pack of cigarettes there that was a dollar ninety nine. I don't know what was in it. It w- didn't seem like cigarette, really, but it was a dollar ninety nine for a pack.
1: Yeah, it's right? the sweepings from the floor in Marlboro. It's the yeah. stuff they <laughs> won't put in their good cigarettes. They sweep. I forget it the it's name like, of them. The, they give you a headache.
0: <laughs> they give you a headache, or should I try to get another two dollars and ten cents and get Marlboro? But it was great. It's great, and we got to help these kids get to that point where. You know, I loved walking down from my apartment. I'm going to go get shitty cigarettes. Okay, you know what I mean.
2: You, look, yeah. I, do you guys ever uh, tell them statistics about drug deaths back in our day when we were when we were? Because it's kind of astonishing. It, 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 in all the way up until 1993, there was less than 10,000 deaths per year. I know. I know, but they,
0: they don't seem to matter. They'll say, oh, there's more people or people are stupid or whatever. They, they just, you know, you have mm-hmm. that bulletproof thing. I, I'm telling you, from 15 to like 27, 28, you just think nothing bad's going to happen to you. You just don't.
1: That's why car insurance costs so much for teenage boys, especially. Right. Because the invulnerability, there's just where you're just not. That's just not going to happen. That stuff happens to other people, not me. The brain isn't developed enough to even have a healthy fear of death.
0: But you do have to get a life going that you enjoy. Like They're they're living in sober living. They're trapped there. They just do it until their insurance runs out. And then they have no opportunity, no work ethic, no work skills, no ability. And they know, hey, if I just go on a run for a few months... And then just go back to rehab. That's what a lot of them have been doing for years and years. But are are you seeing the same thing that I am like,
1: especially with like Optum? Optum has such stringent stuff. I've never been asked more things by insurance case managers, or I'm sorry, insurance care managers. ICMs about clients that they're they're niggling their way into every little part and aspect of a client's recovery in ways where i just go really do i really have to answer this why didn't the client finish their third step with their sponsor this week well you guys tell me i can't even make him go to 12 step but now you want to know why they didn't finish the 12 uh, the third step and how come they didn't have a uh, how come they didn't talk to their mom yeah no but
0: you're at the beginning of the year where they changed up everything again Right, it's freaking loony, dude. Yeah, they change it up. Like they don't want AA one year, and then they why don't they have a sponsor the next year? It's like what you said. No, AA wasn't a, a kind of a quantifiable, evidence based thing. So now you're asking, okay, we can get you know some of them do have sponsors and some of them are active in AA, but you haven't asked that in two years, <laughs> right? Well,
1: the- the other thing is, is there the people are coming in, or whether they need detox or not, they're popping them right into RTC, and then giving them like a week or maybe two of RTC, and then they want to go to IOP, skipping PHP because they figure the client's been in treatment enough. Well,
0: so yeah, it, the, yeah, they want to th- skip out. Th- well, this and- is it, and it's across the board.
1: I, I it's just this. Well, what's they're coming?
0: Really, What's coming is what happened in the when was I work in like the late 90s and early 2000s. You had to have a relapse prevention track so that so that the people weren't going through the same bullshit program they just went through three months ago. You had to have a new program that was geared towards relapse and all that. And then for some reason the last five years, they just got rid of relapse prevention. They just said, oh, it's a waste of time. It's all bullshit. We're not going to pay for it. You have to have quantified evidence-based treatment we want more Mm -hmm. therapy more belly button gazing i mean i hope we're able to impress upon our average addict population who are sober that listen to this show how what a mess treatment is and it's not because of me and chuck and warren and evan and jared it's a mess because of the insurance industry they're the ones that dictate what treatment is yeah. And and nobody's getting rich anymore. Trust me, people who are doing the <laughs> job of rehab are in it for the right reasons. It's back to the good, the good, you know, kind of side of things. Because I look at what we have to do and what what is required and what there's just no way to make money. You can you can ha- make a living, but you're not gonna be buying any yachts anytime soon off of owning a treatment center. All the yacht people are out. They're all out on their yachts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can name yes. some of them if you want. I can name names <laughs> of the yacht, no. the yacht, the former rehab owner, yacht brigade.
1: You know <laughs> what, what, what's hard to do is to figure out
0: sovereign. To, can I say sovereign?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I don't. Do they have yachts in prison? <laughs> no. He nothing happened to him. That's all a uh, lie and myth. Nothing happened to him really the guy got away with like 1500 million dollars and he's not i mean they're all doing about the same thing i know what all of them were doing i just i just i you know i had this ethical thing about p for one thing because that's you and I, I i did i had an ethical stance on p right from the get-go Good for i said you. i said well it's personally because i'm a communist and because i'm joe strummer I don't think anybody has the right to know what's in my urine. I I think it's, I think it's, it's against the constitution. Now, if I get in a car accident, you have the right to know what's in my urine. If I make a mistake at work and cut my finger off, you, you, you have a right to know what's in my urine. If I, you know, if I'm a taxi driver and I get in a car accident you have the right to know what's in my urine as the taxi company but just to get a job you don't have the right to know what I do in my personal time in my personal life I just always thought that the drug testing of Americans is is just un-American right so that's my basic stance about it right then when when you know I knew what the tool what the power of the cup in your hand it's a therapeutic tool to get the client to level with you to get the client to trust (laughs) you to get the client to tell you the fucking truth that they smuggled drugs in and they got high because it's more valuable for my relationship with my client for me me to be holding a cup and go dude you know come on let's not go through this because if you I used to say it at Los Angeles if, this, if you pee in this cup and it turns out that you smuggled heroin in here, I have to discharge you. And I don't want to discharge you. But if mm-hmm. you tell me that you fucked up, we can say, forget the cup. I'm going to contract you. You're going to be on, you know, on, on bed rest and you only go to groups. You don't go to the outside meetings. You don't leave this campus. You don't leave this fucking building for 72 hours and that then begins the therapeutic process the cup is only a tool in the therapeutic process it became this end all and be all of drug treatment it's a waste of time to be p testing everyone all the time it's a waste of resources it's a waste of energy and and the insurance industry found out it's a it's a real cash cow for the recovery
1: industry oh it sure right? was
0: it really was, and that's how. That's what bought all the yachts, yeah.
1: right? Right, fifteen hundred dollars so, a test. So
0: this whole <laughs> this whole testing thing, I've just always been against it. And so, of course, when they came and said, "Hey, you can buy a lab, into a lab for thirteen thousand dollars," I was like, "Why would I want to do that?" I'm in the, I'm in the helping people business. I'm not in the like monitoring P business. <laughs> and I just never was interested in in all the bullshit and you know how many people when i was on television wanted me to get into the pee business mike mart oh my i don't know God. but the
2: hard pee sound just makes me laugh i'm kidding <laughs> it. you know i have a funny pee story testing story if you want uh, when devin and i my wonderful ex and the mother of my my uh, children when we first got together uh we got a little room to get started we got a little room in a friend's house and we had this room and everything and she wanted to get a um a a house and I said well I'm not going to move in with you until you p-test because I I think you're using still
0: Oh my God! You were pee testing your own.
2: <laughs> so I, so I, so I you got a pee a, test. Can we just
0: say it? Chuck, he's a Nazi. He's an A. Nazi.
2: <laughs> so I got a pee tester thing in. I got I, she peed in, and I took it to the lab. And they're like, "Well, what do you want us to check it for? Opia, You know, we can do all kinds of different tests." And I said, "Well, what do you got?" And he said, "Well, this one," and, that. and then we can test her for LSD. I, yeah, test her for all that shit. She's probably on all that shit. And, <laughs> and uh and that came back completely negative i had to go apologize oh my God. <laughs> we got a place together no.
0: wait oh whose
1: idea God. was that is that something you picked up in the rooms i know <laughs> i just was
2: like i'm not moving in with somebody who's using so i just thought well that's the only way i know but, but
1: nobody tested you
2: at meetings nobody right tested you hey, right Mike. or wrong it was a good story man <laughs>
1: And so, did you feel like one of those guys on Mori where you go I guess I am the dad did you have that kind of mother
2: to feel like, Yeah hey, put, we'll me on, man, put me on the stand I don't care <laughs>
0: <laughs> So it's just it's it I think we I'm excited about the future for treatment because I think it's going to get back to the basics I think it's going to get back to focusing on helping people and all the people that are on the front lines like jody that works my treatment center and Lindsay and you and everybody that's dealing with the clients needs to figure out how do we communicate with them how do we get through to them and part of it is to get rid of this broken system that we have like that they can just go to another treatment center so when you say optimum not going to just admit them back to inpatient treatment i'm all for that you know go to a medical detox somewhere you know the old days um your insurance wouldn't authorize certain things. So that's why you had to go pay to detox yourself. That's why I was at the Beverly Hills recovery center. Cause they cut me a deal. They did. De- I think it was like 91 or something. And they were desperate for new clients. Cause they had just opened the Beverly Hills recovery center, putting the elite back on their feet on Pico and, and Beverly drive. They, um they would put you in a, it was in a hospital you got a hospital bet your own hospital room and back then it was like 550 a day and so you go there for five days 2800 bucks and you detox and then your insurance would pay for you to go to uh you know hazelden or betty ford or wherever else
1: well there you that- go then you got skin in the game but you're also not helping anybody that doesn't have any money You know, that's that's the only downside
0: to that. I mean Well, Chuck, I eventually got there. Let me tell you what you have to do. You (laughs) have to (laughs) find a good friend like Mike Mart or or my friend Bill Cody or Robert Sobel or Anthony Kitas or or somebody that's willing to put up the two hundred dollars for you to get into American hospital. And many, all those friends did that for me or for friends of mine. We all did it. I've done. It. I've paid the two hundred bucks. It's a paying it forwards. It's paying for right. what you, you did. American Hospital. It's a great treatment center. You get ten days de- in the detox, in the res- in the rehab for two hundred dollars. But you have to. How do they stay years. open? Huh? How do they keep doors open? Because they get they sign you up for general relief and Medi-Cal and all that while you're there. Okay. Where you walk in the door, it used to be you walked in the door. You had to have a check or or money, money order, I think, for two hundred dollars. But you were on a waiting list for like six weeks. You had to call every day, and then one day they just say, "Come on down. Bring two hundred bucks. If you don't have the two hundred bucks, you're not getting in." Right? Okay. And um and so I went there six or eight times. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wow! So for you, it was sixteen hundred dollars.
0: <laughs> no, for for six people, it was two hundred dollars. <laughs> Mike, did oh. you try to take Jeffrey somewhere and pay for it?
2: Um, he, we offered to to um, get him, yeah, to get him in. We had um, me and Keith thought, and the guy. I thought from, you took
0: him somewhere, and then he didn't. Eventually, didn't want to check no, in. No, he or never something.
2: went. He went to his dad's house instead oh
0: but uh but you were trying to take him where were you going to take him
2: i don't know they had some plan uh, he actually needed a liver transplant so we were going to help him yeah. with that and you know and we had him sort of like this moment of clarity where he said yeah sure that's good and then the next minute he lapsed into he knew more than the doctors and all this other stuff he'd been dealing with doctors they've been telling him he's going to die for years and and then it just kind of fell apart Right. But th- there's a difference. Like I was there part of the end
0: with him. There's a difference when they're telling you you're going to die and you don't really have any outward symptoms that you're going to die. Right. You just have labs that tell you your liver enzymes are through the roof or whatever your infection rate from hepatitis C. I remember being told, you know, you have a 10,000, 10 million viral load. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. And they, and they were like, no, that's not good.
2: This is when Jeffrey was in the hospital. He was laying in a hospital bed when we were doing this.
0: Oh shit! So, so get this. When, but then I luckily never, um, never got sick. Sick like Jeffrey did, or my ex. My ex got very sick from it. And once you get sick from it, it's a little hard to say. Well, they've been telling me for years that I'm going to be sick from this or die from this because now you feel like you could die from. it right mm-hmm. it should yeah. it should wake you up but it doesn't necessarily wake everyone up it woke my ex up but it didn't wake um jeffrey up it didn't wake top jimmy up like top jimmy i saw him in las vegas when we were playing there the bicycle thief and he was in a wheelchair and, yeah, he and couldn't josh walk. josh klinghoffer you know, only knew the legend of top Jimmy. And then he finally met him and he was like looking at me and we wheeled him in the back of where we were playing. And, and, and Josh is like a numbers person. He's like, he's not, I didn't, he's born in 55. He's not that old. This was in 1999. So Jimmy was 55, 99. What is that? 44? Not that. 44, 44. He looks, he looks 70. Yeah,
2: he and he was really in a old wheelchair and, and skinny. Yeah, you know
0: and and but he was the same old Jimmy, he was funny, he was full of life, he was yeah. just in a wheelchair and I was, was just he still like, getting loaded. Yeah, of course, He's yeah, yeah.
2: Well. He was still drinking, just and, carried it in his wheelchair.
0: <laughs> but just remember that, Mike, he was forty four years old. That's crazy. It's incredible, man. it's crazy. When I was forty-four, like i I I was like i don't know what what year was i 44 2005 i was like living in joshua tree commuting to la four days a week like he couldn't even walk
2: <laughs> yeah it's not old man it's not no old. no i used not, to think
0: but,
1: that was but no it's nowhere near so it is that's
0: kind of crazy that you know i spent my youth like all these young people not not believing i'm gonna die and not caring what and then and then hitting that bad spot in life as an addict where you don't care whether you live or die. And then for the last like 20, 23 years, probably I've been like very conscious that I'm going to die someday and I don't want it to be anytime soon. (laughs) And and that is the journey of recovery. I think that's it. In a nutshell, you don't care if you die. You you don't believe you're going to die when you're doing really dangerous shit and people are dropping dead all around you. And then You get into where you're supposed to be the next one, and you don't care. And then you get to the other side of that, and you're so happy to be alive and so optimistic about the future. And then slowly, the fear of death integrates into your psyche. That
1: and the realization of all the stuff. I mean, our bodies are amazing, but they only take so much. And they got like this. (laughs) They're like me. It takes a long time for me to get mad, but eventually the body just gets fed up and goes, fuck it. I'm done. You're not listening. And- well, there's
0: certain people that that have I don't know what it is, but some of my friends have had serious illness. You've had the hernia thing over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. And and I hear friends that, you know, have had cancer and 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 have, you know, hernia surgery and neck surgery and all this kind of stuff, and here I am in 25 years, I've never I've never had anything. I got the whole, I was for sure like with my luck, I got the really good insurance when we first started aloe. And so I got the 50 year old uh, probe, every orifice checkup, like, Mm, and, uh, and I was sure like, this is justice. So I've been, such a selfish <laughs> asshole. I finally kind of make it in life. And now because I have good insurance, I'm going to find out I have anal cancer or something. And then it was all clean. Nothing. I had nothing. And a lot I got of a doctor's
2: friends, finger up my ass. I had the whole
0: go under, get the whole <laughs> tube up in there. Oh, so, really? you
2: got a, a col- colonoscopy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I had nothing Chuck. And And when the guy said, I have nothing, I was like, are you sure about that? Are you sure? Because (laughs) I would hate to like have all these tests and then somehow something fucked up and I'm going to die and, and you, you forgot, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm sure you have no, you cancer, you have no cancer, you have no polyps, you have no nothing. You are, your enzymes are good, you're this, you're that's good, good, good. There is a little trouble with your liver from from all the years of abuse, but that should regenerate itself. You stop smoking, you start eating better, uh, you start exercising, and I was like, and I walked out of there thinking I'm gonna die. <laughs> I just knew, and that was ten years ago, and nothing nothing's come up and and then now i have shitty insurance and of course they don't at 60 years old or i got it like last year at 59 they don't uh they don't want to cover all the uh, bells and whistles so now they give you a thing that you poop on do you know about no, this no, I, no, I, haven't done that. I
2: knew somehow it would get to the poop yeah, <laughs> do you know too. that they
0: no i'm telling you they do this they, they have a little... It's advertised on television. It's like a little walking around piece of poop and you, you find out if you have colon cancer. You haven't seen that? No, they check for that in blood now. No, no, no. You poop in this thing and then you send it in to them and they go, nope, no colon cancer. You're good. I
1: think someone's just collecting poop somewhere. <laughs> Some weirdo is getting you to
0: say I mean, I mean, I, I think it's one of the great... Are there jobs available
2: checking that poop? Because I don't want one.
0: (laughs) Let let me ask you this. You ever think about this? How much poop happens every day on this planet? No. I mean, mean, it just like how many billion cows are there? How many horses? I've never thought of that. Like just so much poop. Happens well. It's the reason why I don't believe in God, by the way, guys. So, <laughs> wow. So like, no. why? Why no. would this perfect? How do we get Why there? would this perfect being make this perfect? Uh, you know, uh, moral math equation for all of these humanoids, but yet. Everything on the planet has to like defecate once or twice a day to destroy this beautiful paradise. I don't understand to feed
1: the soil to keep the plants and trees alive. There's it's it's all
0: interconnected, Bobby. <laughs> you think seven billion people pooping is helping the planet? No. I what? think
1: I think if we hadn't built up cities, it returning to the soil and keeping vegetation alive. As a natural fertilizer now, do I think penning up millions of cows and having them poop all
0: in the same spot is good? Nah. But we you ever go by Cowschwitz? I call it you know, Frenchie named it. I th- I think Frenchie named it. When you're going up the five and you get right towards the Livermore cutoff, there's that yeah. thing Cowschwitz, where there's like a hundred thousand cows just living side by side. It's just so sad and fucked yep. up. You know that place? Yeah. Do you call it
1: Auschwitz? No, I just put the windows up because I know it's coming. <laughs> because you got to go to recirculation and keep the windows up for. And about they have
0: I love Wendy's. Hour. I love Wendy's, and there's like about I don't know, just either past it or before it. There's a Wendy's, the only Wendy's on the five freeway driving to San Francisco, and you really have to think twice about when you get off the freeway. You got to have your window down to see if the wind is blowing towards the Wendy's because it's not worth eating Wendy's to be smelling that cow shit.
2: I hope that never changes, man. That's one of my fondest things about going up to San Francisco. In fact, when when me and the kids get in the car and we go through that one, you know, I just roll the windows down and go, ah, nose opener, you know, and they all get (laughs) mad at me and stuff. It's the greatest ever. They'll they'll remember me forever, I mean, one of their fondest memories.
0: So so uh, let's talk about the schools. Chuck, you're in Ocean View School District, correct? Nope. Uh, you're, you're we're in downtown we're in Huntington? We're in, we're in Fountain Valley. Oh, okay. Well, guess what? Huntington Beach School District is still not open. Why doesn't Tito or whatever, that mayor of yours, get that fucking those schools open? Why doesn't he do something constructive? That's a great question.
2: They're trying to get him out. Council's trying to get him out.
0: there's no i didn't know this the the so ocean view school district which is at warner and above towards golden west college that's been open for a month or so yeah but huntington beach school district is not open that's ridiculous if that's the center of all no masks in southern california how come their schools aren't open
1: it, it's because it's not the center of no masks. <laughs>
0: it is. I see it on Channel Five News. I see it on the Channel Five News every week. How Huntington okay. Beach is protesting mask wearing.
1: R- remember? Remember when you had the incident up there in Claremont, and you said the news, the guy that ran his car into some things, you said the news misrepresented it. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, okay. I loved the other day when they had all the. I think it was this weekend they had the black lives matter people show up because there were supposed to be some white lives matter people who didn't show up, but a bunch of Trumpers showed up to start problems. Anyhow, um, they were interviewing people asking them where they were from and nobody was from Huntington beach. And I was like, can we please let this go now? That was
2: so ridiculous. There was like five reporters to every one person. Oh, but there.
1: they wanted it to be something so bad. And it's just and it, like, oh, my God, you guys got to stop. Now, a lot of people I know are vaccinated now because they, they they took the opportunity when they could. And so, I mean, we even had a get together on Saturday where I got together with some friends and we just played guitars over at my friend's house, all vaccinated and we all hung out in the same place together. And it was real nice.
0: You know, what's funny on Thursday... Everyone 16 and over is can sign up for a vaccine. That's amazing. That's the final frontier of everything going back to normal.
1: Yeah, but they're smarter than us and they won't do it. Look at it another way.
0: I don't think it, I, I think the death rate's gonna plummet anyways because you won't have so much transmission. You got great medicines. I talked to a couple of doctors. They said just the things we learned through the two waves, patient survival rate is way higher. So you're not gonna see this death number, if you look at it, it just astral projected from 300,000 to 500,000. And now it's only still at 539,000. It's only been 39,000 over the last like two months. So the death rate is plummeting because of better treatment, better understanding of what to do with, with, with severely ill cases, right? They know how to, they know how to treat it better. So then once everyone who has, once everyone has access to a vaccine what will probably happen is the people that don't want a vaccine which is their right don't get a vaccine i don't care you're stupid i don't care there's a lot of stupid people in this country that's never that's (laughs) okay see you were doing so well
1: up to the you're stupid we can say (laughs) it's your right to not get a vaccine and i I respect that
0: no it it truth is truth on a certain level isn't it So pt <laughs> Barnum, this is my one of my favorite guys in the world. P. T. Barnum's quote, I tell honest. you, nobody ever lost a dollar by underestimating the taste of the American people. Oh, he's also the one that said there's no such thing as bad publicity. I love that one. Because right. I used to every time, because you know I'd fuck up so bad chuck and we put the to get the wrath of god down on us we were the worst band that ever played in nebraska or whatever and i would just say i would quote the pt barnum even though i didn't know it was him there's no such thing as bad publicity you guys oh, come oh. on so to me don't get vaccinated i get it if you get sick you're gonna hopefully not be too sick but you're not gonna die
2: did you see where uh did you see where ted nugent said hey how come we weren't quarantined for the first uh the covid one through eighteen i thought that was genius i mean come on it's called COVID 19 because it's 2019
0: hello hey i don't think it's ever going to go away but it's going to be slowed and people aren't going to die of it and we're just going to think of it like don't ever forget what dr drew says don't forget that the flu you get is an inch is a is a distant cousin of the spanish flu it's just mutated, 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 mutated. And so this, that's what coronavirus will be, but we won't die from it. And so we can right. go back to our normal society. Now, one thing that happened during this, I think everybody likes. Like, I like that you guys don't have to drive here in traffic to do the show. <laughs> so, so coronavirus has made the Don't Die podcast easier for us all to do it's still fun and lively and whatever. I don't think it's suffered in entertainment value because you guys aren't here at my <laughs> house. You know what I mean? Right.
1: You know, it's certainly, it's it's, it's, it's those, some of those days doing the hour and a half, two hours sometimes it was, but I enjoy driving. So, but, but you're right. It is easier. So, so is I easier. think
0: that, I think that there's going to become, you know, people, are, there's no doubt. I'm closer to my children. There's no doubt. And I'm pretty close to my children in general. But to be with them 24 hours a day for a, a year and a half is crazy. So and what? how's the new baby doing? He's good. He's, you know, babies don't do a lot. <laughs>
1: right. they, they poo a lot. That's why you're obsessed with poo again. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, they do do that.
0: But, uh, but it's been me and Sid because uh, Elvis, I don't know, Elvis um, – Elvis is in his room a lot. He's got friends now. They have this new way of being friends where they're on the FaceTime call on the phone and they're all playing video games. and They're all talking to each other. It's almost like they're in the same room. And sometimes, you know, because you can hear kids laughing in his room, but there's nobody in there but him, right? Hmm. And uh, other kids that he's with are on their computers and and then they just have a blast. So it's been me and Tid. Me and Tid have had a a lot of fun. I want to tell you, So last Friday was opening day for Dodger Stadium, right? And I said, because Sid's going to feel a little left out. There's a new baby in the house. She was always the baby. She was always the one that slept with mama. And she, you know, she's like, and now all of a sudden there's this little creature. And now she's sleeping in her bedroom. And, you know, it's been, I've been focused on it, like making her understand. So I've been partnering with her. So I said, Sid, you and me are going to go to the Dodger game opening day. Right, and she she loves the Dodgers, right? So she gets her whole. This is after school on Friday. She gets her whole Dodger outfit on. I the game started at one ten. She gets out of school at one. We drove there, and I'm looking on StubHub, and the tickets are like twelve hundred dollars each. Oh, I'm my. Like, fuck this! Like the <laughs> cheapest one was like four fifty. Like the last roll on the very top of the burning hot sun. So then I'm like. Well, I'm gonna keep going. We'll pay to get in the parking area. They don't pull StubHub tickets off till fourth inning. The ticket prices are gonna go down, right? So we're walking mm-hmm. around. She's going, "Why are we not going inside?" And I said, "Cause it's fun out here." And I'm on my phone <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to fucking find tickets, right? And they and they go to 300, and I'm like. Six hundred bucks. I, mean, I I just can't. I just can't justify having a new baby and pay six hundred dollars for two baseball tickets for half the game. It's in the fourth inning. The game's you know half over. So I just said, you know, fuck it. And then StubHub goes dark. There's just you can't buy tickets anymore, right? So we're walking around. And I keep asking people, "You got tickets?" And they look at you nowadays. Like there's no physical tickets anymore, Mike. I don't know if you know this. They're just in your phone. Yeah, and I'm running around like it's 1988. Like, hey, you got a ticket? Can I buy a <laughs> ticket from you? And these people just look at you like, the fuck is wrong? Is that guy from, uh, uh, you know, the the a movie from the past or the Stone Age? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And and so then I realized there is no way to buy just a ticket from somebody anymore. So we start just walking around the stadium. And we go walking past this gate and somebody's coming out. And I just pulled Sydney's hand and we walked in. And we were inside Dogma Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and this security guard from about a hundred yards away starts running towards us because he saw us come in the gate. And I kneeled down next to Sid and I said, Please stop rushing us. Please, you're scaring my daughter, sir. What are you doing? And he's getting close to me. And I go, please, I you know, understand. Like you have a little child here. And he gets all weirded out, right? And he's like, I'm sorry, but you know, you can't come in that gate. And I go, I know that, but we went out the wrong gate. Now our car's parked all the way to the top. Can you let us go? <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> He goes, I don't have the I don't have the authorization to do that. So you have to go back out the gate. And I said, No, no, no. Come on, it's hot. We're leaving. It's like cars at the top, blah, 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 blah. He goes, well, I have to get a supervisor. The supervisor comes, he's cool. He goes, Yeah, I'll let him walk to the top dude, we were sitting in the $1,200 ticket. Sydney goes, why was that man running at us? And I said, Sid, we snuck in. (laughs) (laughs) Just for you. (laughs) And so, I don't know. I've talked about my mother-in-law. She is just the most do everything right person. Right. And uh, so we come home and she's here with the baby. And, Uh, And Cindy walks in and goes, we snuck into Dodger Stadium. We didn't pay for tickets.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. What'd she say? Oh, my
0: God. And I realized, like, I'm still punk rock at 60, dude. 60 (laughs) years old. I'm teaching a four-year-old how to sneak into concerts.
1: That's fantastic. (laughs) I do like that.
0: Isn't it good? Like, well, I don't know. think millennials get taught about sneaking in. You got to sneak in. Yes, sneak in. Once you're in, you're in. Remember, Mike? Once you're in, you're in. Hey, rush the gate, man. So I on the way home, I'm playing the song. Like I'm, tr- She's saying, we're bad. We're bad for sneaking in. And I said, we are bad company, Sid. I'm going to play you our song. And I played bad company, company, <laughs> and she was dancing. And that's me and her song. That's Daddy and Sydney's song. We're bad company. <laughs> We're bad company till the day we die.
2: well <laughs> you are proving it. <laughs> That's great,
1: man. What's what's the most you'll pay for tickets for that before you sneak in?
0: Well,
2: $300. I mean, oh, what,
0: what I expe- <laughs> I expected to pay like I would pay 150 each, so $300 for me and Sydney to get it. I would have paid that, but I'm not paying three hundred each. No way. Who's dude? Who, and who who has all this money? That these people, like I, you know, because I did get in, and I'm like, I was looking around at the people sitting next to us in the twelve hundred dollars seats, and I was like, how do these people have twelve hundred dollars? And there's four of them sitting there. That's, dude. That's forty eight hundred dollars to go to a fucking baseball game.
2: That's stimulus money, man. Oh, you think they just took their whole check to buy a baseball? Yeah.
0: Ticket? Well, that's better than all the kids I've been dealing with. You know, another thing I was going to say. I believe if you really wanted to dig into the weeds about the statistics, more drug addicts died from getting the um, the stimulus stimulus check than died of COVID. Oh, I, yeah, I would, maybe
1: that, that, that's that's an, I think that's a fairly easy bet. Yeah because that's what they did, you know, and they invested and they got more amounts than they normally Mm would.
2: It's a hard statistic to prove.
0: Well, Well, no, San Francisco, San Francisco has this whole, San Francisco is a great town. Can we just say that? It got a little yuppified. It got a little yuppified and stuck up and a bunch of lame people live there. But luckily now they've all moved out. So it's back to being a cool, it's back to being a cool city. And, um, And they did this thing, more people, are you ready for this, guys? More people in the 14 months of COVID have died of drug overdose than of COVID in the city of San Francisco. 621 people died of drug overdoses, 173 from COVID. See, one thing about San Francisco is they can walk and chew gum at the same time, unlike the city of Los Angeles and Eric Garcetti. And so... San Francisco was able, able to say, hey, yes, we have this new horrible pandemic and we still have a terrible drug overdose death rate. And we have people that got cancer and we got, uh, you know, people that have HIV and AIDS living with HIV and AIDS. They're able to be a real city. And um, and Los Angeles is just tripping over itself, trying to be politically correct. You know, yeah. people, people need to go to the stats and not believe all these fear-mongering that's going on right wow that number the 621 in 2020 is an increase from 441 in 2019 almost 200 more people died of drugs in san francisco in 2020 i wonder why isolated disenfranchised no 12-step meetings no access to treatment everybody stay home and just twiddle your thumbs and how about the fact that the center for disease control recently asked young adults if they had thought of killing themselves and one in four said they had one in four. This That's is ridiculous. incredible that we're just ignoring this. How do you make sense of it all? You just try to do the right thing and you try to just try to speak your truth. And the truth is COVID's a horrible, terrible thing. It's horrible to suffocate to death. It's a horrible wow. thing to die isolated away from your family in a hospital with a bunch of people dressed in masks, you know, like you're a, you're contaminated. It's horrible, <laughs> but so is an 18-year-old kid dying of a fentanyl overdose. They're gasping for their breath and there's no one around. So is <laughs> you know getting dying of cancer. All all these sufferings and death are horrible. One isn't you know, one isn't a, a, a better a better thing to die from they're all horrible things to die from but it is a fact in my in the way i see things that it's much more tragic than an 18 year old person die than an 88 year old person and you can argue with me and i'm sure i'll get attacked for this when i'm 88 don't worry about me i had a great life right worry mm-hmm. about the children worry about the mental health of our of our uh, elementary school age children worry about the you know that our children are 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 have access to education and to food and nutrition right worry about that but you know and 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 i guess we just forgotten our way because now we're in this thing well if they like if they say this then we have to say that if we and, and, and if we say that, then they have to say this, and no one can ever agree on anything. So if Trump said the schools should be open, then all Democrats have to say the schools should be closed. That's what happened. We allowed that to happen. We didn't use science or reasoning or the advice of our own S- Center for Disease Control that three months ago said the schools should open. They're safer than supermarkets. And still, Huntington Beach's schools are mostly closed. Los Angeles Unified School District schools are closed because Trump said schools should open. Dodger Stadium is open. There was a baseball game that I went to, but the schools aren't open. How insane is that? <laughs> What's yeah. more important, Chuck? Schools for our children are fucking baseball games.
1: Um, strip clubs because they opened a long time ago.
0: Oh, did they really? <laughs> Did they? Yeah. I don't, I'm not. I'm not a strip club guy. Are they open? Are they uh, yeah, yeah, they did.
2: I do hope look some... at, they do look at stuff like you know it's outdoors and there's spacing. Was there like spacing when you went in? Was there a lot of space? Yeah, they everybody? space it out.
0: They space it out.
2: But and there's last time
0: I checked. Last time I checked, there's a lot of outdoors at elementary schools.
2: Believe it yeah, or not, that's true. Why can't they just have the classes outside? It's nice weather. That's what the private schools do. That's what they do. I don't like get it. It's, they it's, weren't very resourceful.
0: Yeah, it's just you know, it's <laughs> it's a lot of politics, but but we really got to get like you know, and and I was saying this three four months ago. Once CDC said schools should open, they're safer than supermarkets. They literally said that. The Center mm-hmm. for Disease Control, Fauci's. The thing that he says we should listen to. Okay, they said the schools should open. So, are you for the schools opening, Mr. Fauci? Oh no. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We want to get the numbers lower. <laughs> yes, Dr. <laughs> Fauci. We want the. We all want the numbers to be lower. But what damage are we doing to our children? My 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 son hasn't been in a classroom since last March. A mm-hmm. year and a month. A year and a month, he hasn't been in a classroom. That's ridiculous. Shame on the city of Los Angeles. Shame on the teachers union of LA Unified School District. Shame on the the, the superintendent of LA Unified School District. He should be fired. And as soon as somebody can run against all these, uh, uh, on you know, the mayor and everybody else in the city council, they should be run against. I know, I you know, and all. I'll vote for whoever. I'll vote for communists. Just get these people. That can we send Tito children. up there? Huh? Can we send Tito up there? Yeah. Can, can Tito? I think he has to be a registered in the city of LA, so get him up here quick. <laughs>
1: okay, good.
0: Did I be Tito's campaign manager?
2: <laughs> just want, manager? Him, out of, just want was, him out of Huntington, Chuck.
1: <laughs> I just, You know, I don't, I don't personally have a problem with him. I just have a problem with him in government.
0: <laughs> well, he does make He's your so city nice. look like a, a buffoonery. He really does. I mean, people look at it this way: people in Victorville are laughing at Huntington Beach. Oh my like, god! That's what that guy does. No, <laughs> yes, they you are. Really, yes, really.
1: is is that the note you're going to leave this on? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's,
1: that's really painful.
0: <laughs> that guy that guy's a clown he's a clown oh God, funny.
1: <laughs>
0: do you not Do you not think that, i mean i like it because i can razz you about it Chuck, but, but
2: <laughs> it's fun for but bob yeah. but you know, I, but guy,
0: the, the first time i ever saw him he was pouting in his car like a baby like like a four-year-old like and he was having a press, talking to the media, and is sitting in his car because they wouldn't let him in City Hall when he was a fucking mayor pro tem. They wouldn't <laughs> let him in. That's <laughs> rough. You gotta love America, people. America is the greatest. The guy, All right. This guys like a fucking two hundred fifty pound baby. Right? Wow, that, that's awesome! Do <laughs> <Woo! laughs> you know what I'm? Wasn't he just sitting pouting outside because they wouldn't let him inside the building yes. without a mask?
1: One hundred percent.
0: Well, I mean, what do you call that, Chuck? I know we're supposed to be politically correct. Oh, he was. You know what was he doing? He was stomping his feet like a four-year-old child. It
1: was. he was a non-binary, um, non-gendered
0: child. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, I you know I just I because I have this love hate relationship with Huntington Beach. I think that's been pretty obvious for the last three years we've been doing this show. Never have I been beaten up so badly, but by the Huntington Beach Police Department. They were ruthless. They
1: yeah, were... but I, but I heard you had it coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: that,
1: that's what's going
2: again. I'll admit I had something coming. The he one snuck in somewhere. Part,
0: the <laughs> one time in the park on the moped, I didn't have that coming. Trust me, I thought they were going to kill me. Yeah. Like and so, but here's another thing: I was able to relate to my black and brown brothers and sisters being beaten by the police in L.A. all through the eighties because I had been white and beaten by the white Huntington Beach Police Department two times, two different times. Mike, how many times have they beaten you?
2: Oh, plenty. Every time I got arrested, they beat me up. But I'm sure it was because of my big mouth.
1: Yeah, they said they miss you guys. They miss the <laughs> workouts. You know, they, I'm sure they, they wish you guys would Dude, come back.
2: Did you ever? Did you ever end up in the padded cell? Because I ended up in the padded cell. The one in Huntington, yeah, or the one at near no, the one in Huntington that used to be across from Huntington. Yeah, the
0: one near Warner High School near uh, near Huntington Beach. It's right across from Huntington Beach. They have like yellow, yeah, it's like that turf stuff you have on the on the playgrounds for kids. They had that yellowish green. That was my room. That That was was my room. That was in every room, I think. (laughs) Nope, that's
1: just where they put you, Bob.
0: Well, I might, might have been a threat <laughs> to myself or others. You know what? Yep. They didn't even care if I was a threat to myself. They were, they They just, you know, they just, I was in jail a long time that one time. Chris Hansen <laughs> got me out. God, what <laughs> I was, a Hansen I was in jail a long time that one time. <laughs> well, like a long time, like 30 days or something. Mike was in for a
2: long time. Six months, Mike? Uh, three months in uh, Twin Towers. Oh, good yeah. for you. That's fun. Yeah that was fun. That, yeah. in fact, that was my detox. <laughs> one yeah, that, of my that. detoxes was the cold concrete bench and baloney sandwiches.
0: I was like eight I think the first time the, the moped thing I was like sixteen or seventeen, and then the safari Sam's, I was like,, baloney mm, sponsors started, so I was like twenty three. So two times I got beaten up by them. And you just never forget that, Chuck. I mean, if I had gotten beat up in Hawthorne, I'd be talking about Hawthorne.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true because I got beaten up in Seal Beach too, and it was because of my big mouth. Well, are are they are they sheriffs in Seal Beach? No, well, it used to be they had a really bad police department, but um, do they have their
0: <laughs> own police department? They just don't Seal Beach has their
2: own police department. Yeah, and they beat the crap out of me. They really I got arrested in
0: Seal Beach, but they didn't beat me up. They were pretty cool to me. Like I. I was siphoning gas out of cars. That's, and right. Fancy That's right. And then they saw me when they were driving by, and then I ran on to Seal Beach, and I ran down the beach towards talk, uh, Jack in the Box. And then they they caught me, but they didn't know it was me. So I was saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And um, and they asked to see my driver's license and whatever. And I think my car, the car that they thought was mine was registered in my grandma, Helen, Helen Forrest,
2: and I guess mm-hmm.
0: he didn't connect the dots. Robert Forrest, Helen Forrest. Well, mine was go a off. little,
2: mine was a little better than that, but Mine was assaulting a federal felony, assaulting a battery on an officer.
0: Oh God! How, how the heck? Did I hit a know?
2: cop. I couldn't, you know, they were beating up my friend, and I hit it, and I hit, I hit a cop. Oh, He'd try God. and get him off, you know. Oh, there you go. The crap see, out of both. See,
0: of here's the deal. Here's where my common sense kicks in. Like you didn't deserve to be beaten up, you did deserve 30, ninety days in jail for sure, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's why there's this cop. I love it. I love all these. There's a, a retired NYPD cop. You can look it up. It's so funny. He's a retired NYPD cop. He's the one who beat that cop with the pole with the Trump flag on it, and he tried to. They have photo. They have photographs of him trying to gouge the policeman's eyes out with his thumbs. And he just complained yesterday that uh, it was the craziest thing. He complained that he was being housed with real
1: criminals. (laughs) And that that he wanted
0: to be moved upstate New York because he was being housed with real criminals. It was the funniest. uh, It was was just the craziest request.
1: As opposed to uh, what he is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. He, He like, he... He's trying to kill a federal officer. Like what kind of crime is that, uh, sir? Yeah,
1: murder's pretty serious.
2: Wait, there's cops everywhere outside my house with flashlights. Uh Uh-oh. Time to go, Bob. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of we've had a lot of bear problems.
0: There's a lot of bears all of a sudden. Like there was three in my yard last night. I don't even know if they're friends. There's like two down by the entryway towards the trash cans and one up here by my office. Like there's a lot of bears out. It's bear season around. Yeah, it looks like cops are looking. Cause some people are so scared of the bears. Bears never do anything. Yeah, I, I mean, know. so
1: far. <laughs> so far, so good.
0: Yeah. Good night, you guys. I'm gonna go check out the bears.
2: Stay inside. Good night. Okay, don't die, everybody. Bye. Don't die.
0: Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888 595 0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888 595 0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.